0: Hey, you guys, and welcome to the Erratic Unicorn Podcast. I am back locked and reloaded, and today we are going to discuss my favorite games of 2020. Oh my gosh, there's been so many really, 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 really really amazing releases this year, and I'm not sure if I would have played all of these games had it not been for COVID. Like, (sighs) you know 2020 has been a mixed bag you know i lost my job you know and that took a toll out on me for like maybe i don't know a week or so and then i realized like i got laid off in april i was like i can play animal crossing every fucking day (laughs) all day so Without further ado, let me just go ahead and drop into my list. And since I'm talking about Animal Crossing, let's talk about Animal Crossing first, shall we? Are you guys ready? Because I'm ready. (laughs) So Animal Crossing is like a simulation game, and with New Horizons, you get to make your own island, and you have like these little animal villages that are so adorable and cute, and they like make these little cute sounds or whatever. And oh my gosh, it's just—it's so much to do. Like, you could go fishing and grab fruits and, you know, sell turnips and make money and, like, be a rich bitch. Like, there's so much to do in Animal Crossing, right? Like, it's, it's so much customization and, you know, you can design clothes. And there's, like, a whole group of Animal Crossing users now. Like, there's so many Facebook groups and and message boards and things like that where, like, people congregate and share recipes, for you know different things like lamps and beds and all kinds of cool stuff you know like this game literally took out so much of my life and I was so addicted to this game I had to wean myself off of it like I literally would log in every single day at least five times a day literally I would wait for you know the meteor showers and like look if there's any game that is quintessential is that a word quintessential i don't know if that's a word but like i'm not gonna edit this out so fuck it (laughs) but like if you have a nintendo switch let's start there this game is available on nintendo switch if you have a switch and you don't own animal crossing what the fuck is wrong with you Like, literally. This is, like, the greatest Nintendo game ever. And I'm not even, like, a big Nintendo fan. Like, it's my secondary system. I like Nintendo. But this game made me love the Switch. It is, like, so relaxing. It's not like, you know, I just, I don't know. Like, it's something about Animal Crossing. I don't know if I would have played it had it not been for 2020. But I couldn't go outside, you know, I couldn't, like, link up with friends or anything like that, and it made me feel like I was, like, you know, a part of something special, and it came out at the right time, like, literally. I pre-ordered it right before I got laid off. I was like, I have a feeling they're gonna fire me at my job, so, like, let me go ahead and order a couple of video games. Like, I pre-ordered this, and um, two more games on the list, actually, I'm gonna get into, but... Like, this is, like, the first one that I had pre-ordered and had, you know, shipped my way, and I had so much fun with it, and, like, you get to, like, customize your house, and, oh my gosh, like, I'm pretty sure, like, my whole system is a mess right now, because I haven't logged into Animal Crossing in, like, a week or two. Like, now I've been, like, on it sporadically, because, like, you know, I have the PlayStation 5, and I was playing Miles Morales and everything like that. But I think I'm going to go ahead and try to play Animal Crossing tonight because I need to catch up. (laughs) This is, oh my gosh, like, this game really, like, just, like, it brought something out of me that I didn't know was there. And it got to a point where, like, I'm literally, like, talking to my friends and my family about trying to evict certain animal villagers from my village like that's like how intense it was like I remember I got Caesar and no disrespect to Caesar you know like I actually kind of miss Caesar after I got him to leave my island but I used to like beat the shit out of Caesar on a regular basis like with my net he would get really really angry at me and like oh my gosh that made me feel really really like just it made me feel special to like treat some of my animal villagers like trash (laughs) (laughs) Now, granted like no real animals are harmed in the making of you know this podcast or you know in general like I don't support animal cruelty I think that it's bad it's very bad but to be cruel to like some of the villagers that I didn't like made me feel really special (laughs) it made me feel good (laughs) oh my gosh and Hugh Oh my gosh, I love making Hugh cry. Now, he's my favorite villager. Whenever he asks to leave my village, I always say no. That is, like, my way of being cruel to him. Because I treat him really nicely, and then I go back and, like, I hit him with my net. Or, like, you know, I, like, put, like, fences around him so he can't, like, walk. (laughs) I have a problem. Do not judge me. Please don't judge me, you guys. Um, With that being said, Animal Crossing is literally, like, the... Best thing since sliced bread. Like, I don't know what I would have done without Animal Crossing in 2020. And then the second game of the year for me was definitely hands down Final Fantasy 7 remake, y'all. Oh my gosh. What I tell you, I am a huge Final Fantasy fan. You know, I love Final Fantasy X, which is like my personal. It was my personal all-time favorite until 7 Remake. But, like, you know, Final Fantasy Twelve is cool. Um, the, the Dissidia games are great. I used to play Final Fantasy Tactics, the War of the Lions on the PSP. Like, I just, I love JRPGs, right? And Final Fantasy Seven is just no exception. Like, I just, where do I start? Like, it's only part one, you know? Like, it's part one of the remake of Final Fantasy VII. The original game came out in 1997, I want to say, on the original PlayStation. So, PS1, we're talking, like, this has been, like, 20-something years, you know? And... Video games are where they are currently because of what Square Soft at the time, you know? Square Soft, they merged with um whatever, and it became Square Enix, all that good stuff, Right? But Square, we're really on to something with storytelling. And the story in Final Fantasy VII is just, it's a timeless story. It's a relevant story with the way that we deal with our, you know, government and our environment, like with all these environmental issues that we're dealing with right now, it resonates on like a new level as an adult. So in the middle of 2020... This is another game that like needed to be put out this year for people to realize, you know, that we need to always voice, you know, how do I put this, that, that we should always, you know, voice our opinions and let our frustration with our government known and the fight for what we feel is correct and what is just and what is right. We can't just, you know, stay on the sidelines and expect for things to change and get better. We have to be on the, um, how should I put this? I'm trying to talk in sports terms. I don't really play sports, so, like, I can't. um, We have to be on the offense? Is that? Yes, we need to be on the offense of things. Like, none of that defense shit. We need to, like, be aggressive with it. And that's part of how I feel about Final Fantasy VII. Let's talk about the characters, right? Cloud looks amazing. The voice acting, oh my gosh, the voice acting in Final Fantasy 7 is like some of the best voice acting that I've heard in a Square game since fucking never. Like, oh my gosh. Like, I was really worried about this game before it came out because like, you know, I had just played um, Kingdom Hearts 3. Did that come out last year or the year before? But I was so disappointed with the voice acting in Kingdom Hearts 3 Like, it sounded like... (laughs) That voice acting was fucking terrible, y'all. Like, ugh. Everything sounded, like, stilted, and as much as I love Final Fantasy... Oh my gosh, I'm talking in circles right now. As much as I love Kingdom Hearts, you know, like, that voice acting was so stiff. It was so, like... They felt like it felt like they didn't want to be there. Like they were like, "What the hell am I reading?" Like, like the script was terrible for one. Let's go there too. The script was pretty awful, you know. And like, I didn't get that from Final Fantasy VII remake. Like everything was just like spot on, and it gave me hope that Square can like make good games again. Because, you know, earlier in the generation I played Final Fantasy XV and as much as I liked 15, I didn't love it. And I have fallen in love with the franchise all over again. I'm actually excited for 16 now because of what was done with Final Fantasy VII Remake. You know, the combat system was amazing. It's not really turn-based, but, you know... Turn-based is dead. It's never coming back. And people just have to get over it. You know... Sephiroth was awesome. There's like a lot of twists and turns and a lot of like, I don't want to spoil the game if you haven't played it yet, but like things are going to be really, really interesting with Part 2, and that's all I'll say about that. Like, it actually has me excited for Part 2. And I love the direction that they're going in. And it's either going to love it or you're going to hate it. But like, oh my gosh, this really good storytelling. I really liked it. And that game is literally like a 10 out of 10 in my book and I'm kind of sad I didn't pace myself like like I said like I've been home this whole time so like I'm just sitting here like playing the hell out of this game like I beat the game in six days literally six days and it got to a point where like I was like really tired and I was like drinking like coca-cola With, like, hella caffeine to, like, stay up so I could, like, literally finish it. And, oh, my gosh. I might actually, like, replay this again soon and see, like, how it looks on PS5. Just to, like, test it out. But, yeah, that game is just pure beauty. You know. (sighs) Oh, my gosh. I'm going to cry thinking about this game. Like, I don't think everybody understands, like, what Final Fantasy VII means to me. Like, I loved advent children like i'm literally like totally fucking obsessed with final fantasy as a franchise it's probably my number one favorite video game series of all time you know and that i might do a podcast for that next oh my gosh yes i should <laughs> well let's go to the next game shall we All right, and then the next game that I want to talk about is Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time. It's not one of my favorite, favorite games of the year. However, I wanted to mention it because I'm a longtime fan of the franchise itself. And we knew that there was a rumored title for the Crash Bandicoot series this year. We just didn't know officially at the time if there was going to be, like, you know, a quote-unquote fourth game as far as, like, you know, them doing, like, um wrath of cortex again and doing it in 4k or anything like that or if it was going to be like you know a continuation of crash bash which honestly part of me wishes that they would have done crash bash over again because it was kind of like a marty marty (laughs) it was a mario party clone essentially so it you know had like different mini games and that kind of thing it was really fun to play on the playstation like the original ps1 And I know that a lot of people kind of like don't like Crash Bash because the first game in the series not to be done by Naughty Dog. But I feel like that was like the best non Naughty Dog title basically for years, (laughs) for a very, very long time. Like, I mean, if we want to talk about Twin Sanity being decent, it was okay. But it still wasn't as good as Crash Bash or any of the Naughty Dog um, games in general, right? Crash 4 is not bad at all in the sense of it feeling like a Crash Bandicoot game. My only gripe with Crash Bandicoot 4, (laughs) it's about time is the fact that it's just hard as hell like the game is genuinely like difficult for little to no reason and i wish that if they were going to make the game difficult at least like do it in in stages i guess they went toys for bob went swinging like the game feels like crash he looks good like the the updated animation is great the visuals are amazing The controls are pretty decent for the most part. It's just hard. And I was like, I know, like, the original series was challenging and it had its moments. But, like, this game makes me really just, like, want to rage quit and, like, never play it again. But it's not bad. Like, eventually, I'm going to, like, push through it. Because from what I've played, I do like it. But, like, I'm definitely glad that I got it on sale. (laughs) Like, I didn't spend full price on it because I kept trying to, like, evaluate. I was like, do I spend full price on this when it comes out or I wait? Because I have a gut feeling it's going to go on sale around Black Friday. And that's what I did. I kind of waited. But, like, you know, it's worth $30 to $40, I'll say, definitely. $60, I'm not too sure about that. But, like, I hope that there is more Crash in the future. So hopefully sales are improving. I know like when it first came out, it was kind of stagnant. But it's 2020 and like a lot of people don't have the, the means or the resource to buy a lot of different video games. You know what I mean? So in that regard, it's understandable. But I think that the sales definitely will improve since it's gone on sale several times within the month. The cool thing about Crash 4 is you can play as Dingle Dial... You can play as Crash, of course, Coco, and Cortex, and Tana. So, like, there's, like, a lot of, like, cool things that each character has set up. And then there's, like, the different mass system. Honestly, I don't really like the time freeze element of it. Like, that part kind of, like, gets to my nerves a little bit. But, you know, like, different strokes are different, folks. The game is pretty solid regardless. I do recommend it. The next game we're going to talk about is Ghost of Tsushima. And oh my goodness. Like this game was absolutely phenomenal. And before I even start, I just want to talk about how much I love how authentic it is. And how Sucker Punch actually went out to Japan and spoke to different Japanese historians about you know this particular game you know like they really like went above and beyond and created this open world of 13th century japan and there's like this whole war with like you know the samurai and the mongols it's just totally insane the game is beautiful and it really pushed the playstation 4 to its limits if I'm going to say any game is, like, the best game on the PlayStation 4 thus far. It is Ghost of Tsushima. It really, like, just looks beautiful. You know, and the game is so smooth. Like, I prefer the horseback riding on this game than The Witcher. And shout out to shitty-ass CD Projekt Red. I'm going to flame your ass in a second, yet again. Okay, I'm not done shitting on Cyberpunk 2077, but I digress. <laughs> Ghost of Tsushima is really fun to get to play as a samurai named Jin Sakai, and he's basically freeing up his uncle and trying to, you know, save his town. You know, it's just a, a cut and dry story, it's really, really good. And, you know, the thing that I like about Ghost of Tsushima is it's not like trying to be overly ambitious, like Cyberpunk 27, cough, cough. You know, like it's, it stayed within its limits. It focused on what the PlayStation 4 can do and they pushed it to the, the highest capability that the PlayStation could go. The load times are like pretty, pretty like amazing for a PS4 game you know like we've had some games that had really yeah load times but this game was almost seamless and I loved it I loved that about it in fact like the load times for me were like so fast to where like when you're trying to read different things that they do when it's loading you know just different commands and controls or whatever it loads so fast you don't even you're not even able to read them in a quick manner you know so that was pretty awesome the combat is pretty great like <sighs> this is I, I keep saying this is like the game of the year. Honestly, Ghost of Tsushima should have been game of the year at the video game awards. It really should have been because like so much thought went into this game. The developers put like a lot of heart into it and a lot of research and a lot of love. So you can tell that this game was like made out of love, and uh, it was so worth it. I was actually like really like upset when it got delayed this year. It was only delayed like a month, but like I was really upset about it. Because like this is the game I've been looking forward to like all this time, you know. When I saw the first trailer, I was like, oh my gosh, we have a really good samurai guy. We're gonna get a good samurai game. And I got like really, 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 really excited. And it just it was really worth the money. Like, this is one of those games I feel like $60 was justified, you know? Now, In my case, I had that Best Buy Gamers Club unlocked membership, so I got mine for like $50, but, you know, I'm just saying, Best Buy should bring that back. Like, they should totally bring that back. Like, mine expired. This is the very last game that I ever bought using it, and I was really sad about it because I was like, oh my gosh, like, within the last two years, like, I bought so many games at discounted rates and prices, and... (sighs) <sighs> like that was like a total steal like I got my money's worth I forgot how much the membership was but like literally I saved so much buying games when they first came out and I guess that's probably why I got rid of it because like we were saving too much money I don't know but <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no clue I hmm Maybe, just maybe, maybe we should write a petition to Best Buy, see if they'll bring it back. Like, we totally need that, especially with games going up to, like, $70 now, like, come on, like, at this point, $50 is a steal for a $70 game, so we'll see what happens in the future, but Ghost Tsushima is amazing, it looks amazing in 4K, um, if you don't have a PlayStation 4, you were able to snag a PS5, and you didn't play any of the games on PS4, I recommend you get Ghost of Tsushima because it looks even better on PlayStation 5. It's phenomenal. Um, they've updated some of the frame rates and things like that for the PS5. So like it's, it feels almost next gen, you know? So I, oh, yes, get Ghost of Tsushima, please. And it's done so well, I'm like just clamoring for a sequel at this point. Like we need one. I hadn't felt this way about a video game since og god of war in like 2005 you know what i mean like this is one of those kind of games where like it's on the tail end of the systems lifespan or whatever and i know like technically like horizon zero dawn or no horizon forbidden west that'll be a ps4 game till we're gonna get a few more ps4 ps5 cross-gen games coming up in the next year or so but like as far as this one goes, it wasn't really built for the PlayStation 5. This is like the last of its kind and it, it is so, so worth it. So worth it. Please buy Go to Sushima. It's like the best thing ever. Alright, so we're going to talk about some PS5 games before I head on out of here. And the first one I want to talk about is like the game that I've been waiting for since I saw the trailer for it at the PS5 showcase and it's so fun and it is so cute and weird and creepy all in one and that game is Bug Snacks. Bug Snacks is like the greatest thing in the world. Like I don't know who came up with this idea. You know cuz it's like Pokemon Snap but like with these creatures that eat these creatures and oh, hold on wait. <laughs> All right so let me calm down for a second you play as a journalist right you're a grumpus like they look like kind of like walruses but like they're so cute like they're they're grumpuses you know and they live in on this t- town oh my god <laughs> They live in this town, it's called Snack Tooth Island, okay? And like there's these little creatures and they're called bug snacks. And then when the Grumpus eats a bug snack, like that snack takes on like the form of like their limbs and stuff. So it's like really, really creepy, but cool at the same time. Like I'm convinced whoever came up with this idea was like literally high on acid. Like they had to have been on out a- on acid like literally (laughs) because it's so it's so cute though and and it's really fun like the graphics are not great but like I really enjoyed it 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 works for the type of game that it is and it's only like $25 it was free on PlayStation Plus I think it's still free on PlayStation Plus currently but don't um, don't quote me on that check it out for yourself (laughs) But oh my goodness, it was so fun playing that and catching all the little bug snacks and... It was so cute. <laughs> and it's like the cute little theme song called It's Bug Snacks. Kinda bug and kinda snack. I don't want to like, you know... um I'm not going to sing the rest of the song, but you should Google it or YouTube it or whatever. It's so cute and catchy and it gets stuck in your head. And... I'm almost 30 singing and talking about bug snacks. <sighs> Gotta love it. <laughs> Gotta fucking love it. And then it's a good thing. Like, let's say if you want to get like your child a PlayStation 5 or something like that, which I don't know why anybody would buy a child a PlayStation or Xbox to begin with. Like, there's just uh, the kids content is it's not, I don't want to say it's slim to none, but it's just not. Up there, you know, because the industry has evolved so much to where like kids are not the targeted audience for video games anymore, I don't think, honestly, like it's really for like older kids and teenagers and, you know, adults, unless you're getting a Nintendo system, which is like basically a family console, even though there are mature games on the Switch. There's just like there's certain things where like Nintendo's just not gonna like want that on their system. Like I don't think we're ever gonna get Grand Theft Auto on a Switch or a future Nintendo system. It's just not gonna happen, you know. But like definitely if you're getting a a PlayStation or if you have like a gaming rig or something like that, because I know Bug Snacks is also on PC as well. I recommend that for the kiddos. It's really good and that sex... Way, that segues into my next game, which is Sackboy: A Big Adventure. If you loved Little Big Planet one and two on the PS3, you're gonna love Sackboy: A Big Adventure. Now you can't create your own levels or anything like that, but like they've kind of re They, um, oh my goodness, I can't. My brain. <laughs> they've like change the the engine that's what i was looking for that's the word i was looking for the engine and it's like a straight up platformer like they've like mastered the art of platforming on playstation because so we don't get a lot of platformers anymore and i think platformers are coming back now due to you know crash 4 and the insane trilogy and the reignited trilogy with spyro and you know, nintendo never stopped doing platformers but like we're seeing more platformers on other systems now And it's really exciting because I don't wanna live in a world where like platformers just die out, you know? They're fun, they're simple, and they're like kinda mindless so it doesn't take like too much effort to, you know, like just kinda go through it blindly and just like have fun with it, you know? And I think we still need games like that. They're cheaper to create for one, and everything doesn't have to be open world, you know? like and that's kind of my thing like I don't want the industry to be filled with games as a service like the bullshit Avengers game Godfall which I do not recommend fuck that game too and you know like come on now like even Assassin's Creed like is this too much you know like, like, sometimes we just want something that's simple and fun. And Sackboy, A Big Adventure, is that game. It's so fun. It's so cute. The music is great. And it's... Just, oh, my gosh. Okay. It reminds me of, like, a more challenging Yoshi game. Like if you liked Yoshi on the Switch, like, was it Yoshi's Crafted Life? It reminds me of that, but, like, better that's no shade to Yoshi's Craft Likes so I played that a lot this year too I got it on sale like in what February or something and I was obsessed with it for like a month and then beat it but yeah like I really love platformers you know so I highly recommend that as well Sackboy is just, like the cutest little mascot like he's literally like the official PlayStation mascot at this point point. and Astro um shit Astro's Playroom is the next one. Another great platformer. It's free when you buy a PlayStation 5. It's already, like, pre-installed. The game is a tech demo, but, like, it is so fun, so amazing. It feels next-gen. There's no load times. The scenery is pretty. The The sounds are nice. Everything about the game is, like, literally flawless. And it's just, like... The biggest PlayStation infomercial you could think of, but in video game form. And I love that. It's like pro PlayStation propaganda. Who doesn't want that in our lives, you know? Astro is also a really, really cool mascot for PlayStation. And I hope we see more of him in the future. And then another thing about Astro is like, there's so many like little cute collectibles you get to like do the puzzles and. You get to see, like, just the history of PlayStation and see, like, how far gaming has come since 1994. You know, it's—we've been through a lot, and I've lived through each gaming generation since then. You know, I feel like I've grown up with the PlayStation, and I actually have. You know, I was born in 94 as well, and even though the PlayStation 1 wasn't my first system, it was actually the Sega Genesis. I got that on the tail end, same thing with like the SNES with like my sisters and I played with her on those. You know, the first system for me that I own myself was the PlayStation 1. So I've grown up with it and just to see like all the, the innovation, the changes, the controllers, like, oh my goodness, can you imagine playing with a PS1 controller now? Like like a DualShock 1? Or the original playstation controller without the nubbies <laughs> like can he really like i honestly i can't even play on a ps3 anymore with a dualshock 3 or 6 axis controller those controllers are effing terrible They're garbage and dualshock 4 is great but now that i've played with the dualsense i don't know if i'll ever go back to the dualshock 4 honestly Like, I just, I don't know. I don't see it. It just, the DualSense is such an evolution. I don't think any controller is coming for that controller right now. Just, like, the haptic feedback, everything about it is just so, so perfect. And it's just, it fits in your hand like a glove. And my heart just melts thinking about it. So, technically... The game that I'm going to bring up now actually came out in 2018, but in my defense, it was remastered this year and bundled with another game for the PlayStation 5. So technically, it's a 2020 game, right? Right? I don't know. But Marvel Spider-Man is on my list, right? I bought the original... PS4 game in 2018 when it came out. I didn't finish it. Then I got laid off, and I know I keep talking about getting laid off, right? I got laid off and I finally finished it, right? Because I saw that Miles Morales was just announced. I was like, hmm, you know what? I haven't played this game yet, and I don't know if they're gonna do a remaster. Version or not for the original game. So I went ahead and I beat it and I had the game of the year edition. So I went ahead and beat all the DLC and you know, all that jazz, right? And I was playing the game thinking that it would be an escape from all things terrible in 2020 because I was like really, really sad and depressed at the time. And I'm sitting here playing through this game and I got to like the third act of the game where basically, like, Devil's Breath reminded me totally of, like, our situation this year with, you know, COVID and everything else, and, you know, the police brutality, and just, like, totalitarian government, just everything in general, and it just, it made me really, really, really sad, and the game literally had me in tears by the end of it, which I don't want to spoil it, But, like, you know, if you've played it and played through it, you know what I'm talking about. You know where I'm headed with that. It's just, it was really a powerful video game. And Peter always has, like, the worst luck when it comes to, like, life in general, right? Like, there's never a time where, where Peter Parker is just, like, happy and living his life to the fullest. It's always some type of tragedy with him. And he's a very tragic character. And in a lot of ways, you know, I relate to him more than a lot of the other superheroes, you know, and I just, I really, really, really enjoy the way that they handle this game. Insomniac is like amazing when it comes to gaming and I've been obsessed with, well, I can't even talk. I've been obsessed with Insomniac since I was a child. It's like, you know, Spyro, and later on when I got older, Ratchet and Clank, Resistance was cool. Sunset Overdrive is like literally the only Xbox game that I've truly fell in love with. And granted, you know, I didn't have the original Xbox. I didn't grow up with like Fable and Jade Empire and some of those others, you know, staples of the original xbox that people have been clamoring for hoping for like you know a resurgence for and whatnot so when i say sunset Overdrive is my favorite xbox game it's kind of limited to like my knowledge of xbox games in general so don't shoot me <laughs> but back to spider-man right the the game is amazing on both systems so Whether you're playing the original OG version that came out of 2018 on PS4 or you're playing the remastered version on PS5, which I honestly recommend you, if you're going to buy Miles Morales on the PS5, I recommend just buying the Ultimate Launch Edition and get the remastered edition as well to have it. And then if you had the PS4 version, you could take your save files over. So since I beat the game on PS4, I have like my new game plus file on my PS5 now. So I've been enjoying that and, you know, going through the game again. And it looks phenomenal. And I'm probably in the minority here, but I actually like the new Peter Parker face. I know a lot of people were, like, upset and disappointed and saying he looks like a great value Tom Holland. And I'm not really seeing the great value Tom Holland comparison. I think he looks like an average 23-year-old white boy, honestly, there's nothing wrong with that you know what I mean I think honestly if we want to get down to the nitty gritty if you look at the bios on the game for the 2018 game right Peter Parker is supposed to be 23 years old he's been Spider-Man for a long time but he's only 23 if you take that to perspective and actually look at what Peter looked like in the 2018 game he looked old as fuck literally completely old as shit. You know what I mean? He looks like a twenty three year old kid to me in the new game. And people are like, well, he's twenty three. He's supposed to look like a grown man. Like you're closer to eighteen still than you are to thirty, sir, ma'am, whoever is complaining about this shit. And if you was looking old as hell by twenty three, then I'm gonna need you to lay off the crack. Or whatever you're doing. (laughs) that wasn't cool let me not say that but oh i already said it oops oh well just know that when you do things like that it ages you anyway with that being said the game is phenomenal the combat is great miles morales is even like a step above that the miles morales side game because it's not it's a sequel to the original spider-man series but it's like a a standalone quest and I don't want to say it's just DLC I know there's a lot of people that were like "Mouse Morales is just DLC it's not a full game and in some respects I can understand why people would say that but it is a standalone story it's a smaller story it gets to the point there's not a lot of fluff and it's worthy of tiding us over until we get the next official game of the franchise which we will be getting very soon I assume and it uh, the Miles Morales game is so powerful for so many different reasons and I really enjoy Miles Morales as a character you know he's a young Afro-Latino male out here you know just like Pick up the pieces of his life. He has had some tragedy happen to him as well. And, you know, he wants to be his best. He wants to be the best version of himself. But he also wants to live up to what Peter has already done and established as Spider-Man. And he has to realize how to be Spider-Man in his own way, in his own landscape, because, you know, he does come from a different world. He has a different view and he has different things that he can add to the story and to the table. And Insomniac really did a great job on that. And they fixed his hairline. Boy, when I tell you Miles' hairline in the 2018 game was atrocious. Like, who was cutting his hair? Because that was a mess. A hot, hot Stinking mess. But the hairline looks good, though, in the new game, and I'm very, very happy about that. So if you're going to get a PlayStation 5, even if you decide not to get it on PlayStation 5, just get the PS4 version. If you don't think you're gonna be able to get a PS5 anytime soon, it will be upgradable to the PS5 version when you decide to upgrade your system. So there's always that as well. I highly recommend the game. It's so fun. It's amazing. Uh, Like that game just, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. I just beat it the other day and oh man, it is so good when you put the headset on and you have like 3D audio and, (laughs) and I want to discuss a few more things before I head on out. These games, I haven't actually like played yet, but I look forward to playing soon. Demon's Souls being one of them, I'm personally waiting until Demon's Souls goes on sale because I have an appreciation for that type of game, but I know I'm going to suck. So I don't want to spend $70 plus tax, which is going to end up being like, what, $80 or $90 something dollars on a game that I'm not going to enjoy on the first time around. So I'm going to wait till that goes on sale or ends up like a PlayStation Plus title for free or something like that, which probably won't happen for a long time, if ever. But there's that. I haven't played Maneater yet, but I saw a trailer for it. And now like I have the game. I own it. I'm going to use the PS5 upgrade and play that on my PS5. It looks fun. I recommend getting that if it's on sale, just to, like to try it out. I, think I got mine for like $12. I've been running through Horizon Zero Dawn because I'm trying to replay or play some of the games that I kind of missed out on during the PlayStation 4 generation because I don't know why we keep calling things next gen where next gen is now current gen I guess since I have a PS5 I'm like kind of looking at the PS4 as being last gen now you know but maybe we'll just call it current gen next year who knows I don't know like how that works when we start calling like the next gen whatever but anyway I digress i just bought the super mario 3d all-stars collection because believe it or not i've only played mario 64 once and that was the emulation on the wii u which i'm hearing that like you know this whole game's not an emulation anyway but that's just like my only point of reference to mario 64 since i didn't have a nintendo 64 growing up and then i also didn't have a GameCube growing up so i missed out on not only 64 but i missed it on Missed out on um, Sunshine as well. Mario Sunshine. And then I actually got a Wii, believe it or not. But I still didn't play Mario Galaxy. <laughs> I was waiting for Mario Galaxy to go on sale. And it like never went on sale throughout the whole generation. And that's when I realized Nintendo games don't go on sale, typically. Unless they're like during Black Friday or a special time throughout the year. So when you see a Nintendo sale and the game is below... $60, just pick it up, because it's not going to get much lower than 30 at the max. Like, you're lucky to get it at 30 or 35 but, like, if you see a Nintendo game at 40 or 44 just get it. And that's what I've pretty much started doing, because I was like, I don't want to... I'm kind of new to Nintendo, like, on a serious gaming level, and I don't want to spend full price, but, like, yikes. Like, I got... 3D All-Stars for $49.99 actually. I got Zelda earlier this year, Breath of the Wild for like 44 And I really like a lot of these Nintendo games, but like I don't stick with them very long, except for Animal Crossing. So like, I'm trying to like, train myself to play more Nintendo. Just like, I'm gonna have to train myself when I get an Xbox Series X to play more Xbox exclusives when they have some available. And I don't mean it in a shady way. I just, like, really mean it like something that's not Halo. But I saw the trailer for Fable, the little um, small trailer, and that looked like it would be pretty cool. So I'm looking forward to when that comes out. And um, the initiative is working on some different things. And I know, like, that specific company is taking, you know, like, old lead designers and stuff like that from, you know, Sony, uh, Santa Monica Studios, things like that, so, like, there's people that have worked on PS4, PS3, Sony games in general that are actually, like, Team Xbox now working on games for them to help them with first-party content. And I'm all for, you know, Nintendo, Sony, and Xbox all having first-party content. That's what really sells the systems. Third, third parties are great, but, like, we see that, like, the quality and third parties aren't always on par to me, it's, it, depending on what it is, you know, but... I'm really excited about that. But anyway, I got um Luigi's Mansion 3, which I've never played a Luigi's Mansion game before. So I'm like, "Oh, that should be pretty cool." And I I've, I've been like getting a lot of weird stuff. Like I have jump force now, and jump force is like bad, but it's not like super awful, but I literally just got it because I like anime. <laughs> so we'll see how I feel about that when it's all said and done. You know, I've been playing a lot of Tekken 7. It's just I've been playing like a lot of weird stuff lately and kind of going back and forth between, you know, older games from like this generation playing around with stuff that I haven't really beaten yet. I finally opened up Detroit Become Human. Like I had this game sitting on my shelf for what, a year and a half or two years now. I got Detroit not so long after it came out and I installed it on the PlayStation and never touched it again. And, like, I have this problem where, like, I will take the game and install it, but it took so long for games to install on the PS4 It's where I would get annoyed. And I'm like, yeah, like, fuck this. Because you have to install it, and then you have to update it, and just all that extra shit. And luckily the PS5 is a lot better with that now. Like, it still takes a little bit, but not like the PS4. Definitely like, not like the PS3 at all. So, I... I live for improvements and growth. You feel me? Because that's what we need. We need to improve and we need to grow. (laughs) But I definitely recommend Detroit Become Human. It's really good. If you like Telltale games or like you like the Walking Dead series games or that kind of thing or whatever, like I think you would like Detroit Become Human. It's like those to an extent, you know, but like better graphics And I shouldn't really compare it to those games, even though they're similar. Um, If you like Heavy Rain, I'll say that much. If you enjoyed Heavy Rain, you'll like Detroit Become Human. The graphics are insane. It looks amazing. I am totally here for the choices that you make and how that affects the game and that kind of thing. I'm a sucker for those kind of games. (laughs) And I played Assassin's Creed Valhalla for the first time yesterday. And I liked it. But it's very overwhelming. You know, I kinda wish I would have gotten Immortals um Phoenix Rising instead. But I'm gonna like stick through it. I just I don't know where to start with like games like Assassin's Creed. I've never been like a big fan of Assassin's Creed games, which I don't know why I keep buying them. I got the very first one in like two thousand what? whatever on the ps3 and that was okay ish like it reminded me a lot of like prince of Persia. and i really didn't like those games either and i was like blasphemy it's like how dare you not like prince of Persia? like it was just okay you know it was just okay but you know i got that one and then i got black flag on the xbox one with the bundle didn't really care for black flag and then i got um What is it? Assassin's Creed Origins or Odyssey Odyssey is the one and I've never opened the game it's still sitting in plastic and I'm looking at it right here in my room and I'm like should I open that I mean I bought it so we'll see I just I don't know like I like open world games but I'm not like obsessed with them I like open world games that you know that aren't overwhelming like I don't get that feeling of Oh my gosh, like where am I going? What am I supposed to be doing with Ghost of Tsushima? You know? Horizon Zero Dawn, same thing. Like it it doesn't feel like that to me. You know, but like I guess to each their own different strokes, different folks. If you like it, I love it. Assassin's Creed. I think I'm realizing that Assassin's Creed is just not for me. And I've tried on different occasions now. And I have to stop buying games that I know I'm not going to like, but I'm like, what if I like this one? You know, and I'm just really weird like that. Forgive me. (laughs) And, you know, I bought Mortal Kombat 11 last year and I always buy Mortal Kombat games or fighting games in general when they first come out. Just, uh, it's, it's FOMO. It's fear of missing out. And here we are in 2020 with Ultimate. Now, I had a choice, you know, I could have just upgraded the PS4 version that I had to PS5, but I still had to go ahead and I mean, I still had to go ahead and buy Aftermath, which is like 20 something dollars or 30 something I don't know how much it was and I had to buy the combat packs to get all the extra characters and everything and I'm like when you add that up it's almost like buying a whole other $60 game anyway so I just went ahead and bought Ultimate so I've officially paid for Mortal Kombat 11 twice but I have the PS5 Ultimate Edition I'm going to play through Aftermath finally play with you know all the extra characters that were DLC and I think I can tell myself every time I'm never going to buy a Mortal Kombat game at launch and I always do and I really do mean this time I don't think I'm going to do it But we'll see It depends on what the game looks like You know I really enjoyed Mortal Kombat When they first did the reboot After Armageddon And they decided to kind of like Go back to the basics With the PS3 game That game was flawless like I give that game a literal Like 10 out of 10 It was so good And Mortal Kombat 10 came out and I was like Yes. Yeah, it's, it's pretty it's decent. It's okay. And then eleven came out and I was just like, uh oh, Man, like yeah. Not that eleven is bad, like there's a lot of things that I like about eleven, but then like just it felt kinda lazy to me, honestly. And why did I buy if if it felt lazy, why did I buy the new edition, right? The ultimate edition? Because I wanted the extra characters and Mortal Kombat is, like, a fun game to play with other people. Not online. I don't like playing online for a lot of reasons with fighting games. Like, unless, like, I actually know the person. Because, like, these people online are, like, complete fucking maniacs. They're crazy. They will spam the hell out of you. And I can't get no hits in. And maybe it's because I suck. Maybe I just suck. You know, like, mm, whatever. Speaking of fighting games, before I head out of here, for This is the last game I want to talk about. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I have always had a love-hate relationship with Super Smash Bros. I didn't play Melee, and I didn't play Brawl on the Wii, but I did get the Wii U version when I got the Wii U. And it was different, you know what I mean? Because it's not like your traditional fighting game. But like it was something about that was really addictive, so, I thought, hmm, let me go ahead and get the Switch Edition, since it's on sale now. And since it was on sale, I went ahead and got it. I think I spent um, either $49.99 or like $54.99. One of the two. Could have been $45. I was one of those three, I guess. But I got it on sale. I know it wasn't like $59.99, you know. And I, I played it, and you know the, the biggest difference with the game for me was that when I played the game on the Wii U, like all the characters were kind of available for the most part from start. And I've gotten kind of used to video games being like that now when it comes to fighting games. But then with this new Super Smash Bros. game, you have to like really like grind to unlock all the characters. There's like a bunch of characters to unlock, you know? And it's a little bit draining trying to unlock everyone. But the game is fun. I totally suck at it. Like, I really, really, really suck at Super Smash Bros. And it's a fun kind of thing, though. Even, like, I know I suck. I'm absolute trash. Like, I'm probably worse than trash. I will never give up on it because the game is that much fun, you know? And on that note, I will talk to you guys on a later date. I'm going to try to come back and post periodically now. You know, like, we're nearing the end of 2020, and I really plan on being as active as I possibly can with the podcast and with other endeavors as well. And I just want to thank anyone that, any and everyone that has been You know, consistently, like, asking me about doing another podcast, getting my head back in the game, giving me positive feedback, sharing the podcast. Thank you to each and every one of you guys. I really do mean it from the bottom of my heart. And I will catch you guys later. Have a good one. Bye. Oh, and before I go, fuck Cyberpunk 2077. Fuck that game. Let me, yeah, wait, wait a second. I was Graduating high school, okay? I graduated high school in 2012. Eight years ago, CD Projekt Red announced Cyberpunk 2077. It was not announced as a PS5, PC, Xbox Series X game. It was announced to be available to play on PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. There's no fucking reason why... That game should be as buggy as it is, as glitchy as it is in 2020. we waited eight years for it. You've delayed it X amount of times. If you need to delay it another time, then that's fine. I think we would have all been okay if they would have delayed it one more time and said, look, we need at least six to seven months to work out these kinks because it's bad. There was no transparency. There was a complete lack of transparency. For this game, especially on console, it was deceptive. We saw no trailers for the PlayStation 4 or Xbox One game at all. All PC computer footage. Highly deceptive. They went ahead and gave review codes to all of these streamers, all of these reviewers, with the PC code, there's nothing at all about the consoles. You know, I I, I feel like I got, I ordered something high-end on Wish. I feel like i spent a lot of money on something that came from Wish, wish.com. And anybody's ever ordered from Wish or was it AliExpress? You know, like that shit is all knockoffs. I feel like we got the knockoff version of the game and that's not fair to all the people that spent their hard earned money on the game and CD project red deserves to have their ass handed to them. And they deserve all of the hate mail, not on a personal level. Like I don't think that anybody should be like, you know, sending, you know, debt threats or anything like that to developers. Let me like rephrase that for a second, but I feel like they deserve not so much the developers with the, the, the leaders, their leadership, there's a fundamental lack of care on their part for console gamers. You know, and I find that disgusting. And from here on out, a lot of us are going to remember what happened with the launch of this game. And even if they fix everything and everything is like a okay, and the next-gen, you know, version is a lot better, this is still going to be a stain on that specific developer. It's ridiculous. That's why Sony's out here issuing digital refunds as we speak. Microsoft is issuing digital refunds as we speak. Steam, even Steam on the PC, is issuing refunds to people who are so dissatisfied with this game. You know, if it was like, it was already buggy on PC, but it's even more buggy on the PS4 and Xbox one, that is a mess. And I don't really rock with Metacritic cause I know like it's kind of like Rotten Tomatoes with the user scores or whatever, but like the scores on Metacritic is indicative to what, you know, the scores would have been if they would have given the review codes for the consoles to IGN. I firmly believe it because this game looks bad and, you know, I'm going to take the film grain off And play around with it or whatever. But like still. I shouldn't have to do all this toggling. For a game. Period. And on that note. I'm actually finally out. Love you guys. Bye. (laughs)